You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Vormir, may Black Widow rest in peace. Vocal fam, I've been thinking about this episode for, honestly, a few years now, and we're going to do our first ever clip show. So this is sort of a gift to longtime listeners and fans who have been with us maybe since the beginning, but it's also a great chance that if you've not been with us, let's say you joined after we merged with Natscast, or you found out about us after one of our great guests that we've had over the last year, uh, this is a chance for you to get a sense of what the podcast development was like, and we're really excited to be able to finally offer this mostly because I finally had time to put some old clips together (laughs) so I'm going to break it into segments and I'll come back every every segment and just set up the next segment Uh, but uh, just think of this as your good old 1980s sitcom clip show So we're going to start out uh, with some outtakes from season one, where, to be completely honest, the writers of this show did not know what they were doing. Uh, And if you don't know Michael, he was one of our first hosts. It was Sarah, Michael, and myself. They They were both graduate students at this point. And so here's some excerpts from early on and even a little later in season one. Wait. See, I don't watch Game of Thrones either, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know a thing about Game of Thrones. I don't. It's funny. I don't actually watch the show. I've read. I know it's based on books. It is, and the books are (laughs) fan fantastic. But we've reached a point where the show has gone beyond the books, and it's kind of gone in a different direction. Well, that's because he hasn't written like where they are yet, right? Isn't that thing? He knows where it's going to go. He started writing these books in the eighties. He may die before he finishes. Okay, them. so he actually still is consulting on the TV show, though. No, well, no. He's told Not them really. this is what the end is. Actually, the re- the reason they got to start do the show is because he said, "Yeah, you can make a show if you can guess how it ends." And they guessed, and whoever did it somehow got it right. And he was like, "Okay," but for the show, they went in a different direction. So, like, I have a friend who watches it who sends me like incredibly detailed summaries every week. So it's like watching the show. But I can't watch the show because there's like, a lot of blood. Via email? No, over text. She sends you a recap of Game of a Thrones. A very, like, in-depth. She's my, as like... As a text message. She's, like, my nerdiest like, friend. It actually... They're so long that you know how if you send, like... Well, maybe y'all don't know. Maybe you've never sent a text this long. If you send a text that's too long, your phone automatically, like, turns it into, like, a document. It does? Kind of. Is this Android or iOS? iOS. It does? Not like a document like you could email, but like when you click on the text message, it brings it up in document form. You better not start sending me really long text messages. <laughs> just to, text just to see if they're documents. It's, it's really long. She is by far my like nerdiest friend and has introduced me to the majority of my life. How exactly would that go? Like <laughs> things that you need to do to graduate. <laughs> that book. would be a really long document. <laughs> 
All right. Well, Truly. so basically, uh, welcome to the uh, Mississippi College Voice Ped Talk of the Week. Isn't that what we called it in the theme song? I think so. Well, we'll see. The theme song song. may, in fact, change (laughs) by the time we get around to recording it prior to putting it as a bumper leading into this, in fact, podcast. I had three people this morning tell me they wanted to be your backup singers for it, but that they wanted to backup sing badly for it. That would be okay. (laughs) We're we're actually okay. okay. We're not really looking for... uh, Swingle singers' uh, accuracy here. Uh, we're Shocking. sort of looking for uh, gritty and fun. Two words you always hear together. I mean, I, I think gritty it's things like, are fun. It's like the beach. Gritty and fun. It's what? like the beach. It's like a child at the beach. They're gritty, yeah, going gritty on and fun. Beach. Yes, it's sort of like a child frolicking in the sand. That's right. When we went to the beach this summer, I, I can't stand sand. I'm not a fan of sand. That's so sad. And, and yes, you heard me correctly. I'm making a I'm making a, a eyes narrowed face. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna start narrating your facial expressions. I am. That could be your thing, actually. <laughs> uh, my, Michael's facial expressions. Okay, oh, there we no. go. We'll make that into oh a jingle. Um, but <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no, I, I'm not a fan of sand. But they were they were just all about the sand. It was just like I mean Olivia just wanted to sit in it. And as a kid, it doesn't bother you because I specifically oh. remember as a child dumping sand down my bathing suit. Or specifically, I would go sit in this spot in the ocean where the waves would wash sand like into my bathing suit, being like, "Wow, this is great." And now I'm like, "Oh, this is just the worst thing ever." Exactly. Yep. My thing is actually I don't so mind being the activity of being on the beach. It's leaving the beach yeah. and the and the process of getting from sand covered children <laughs> sand covered perna to clean children and clean perna and where that sand ends up in the process oh my gosh the bed wherever that's, you're staying that's where that's where i sort of struggle is 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 my ocd kicks in a little bit through that anyway Weirdly educational, too. We, we will yeah. freely admit that Michael has provided us with one single sound effect so far uh, that, that he can go ahead and, and interject now, our one actual usable prop. Oh, no. And that is our bell. <laughs> uh, we got the bell because Sarah and I sort of like to argue with each other. I don't know what you're talking about. But we view it as... She's arguing about <laughs> arguing right now. What we not. like to do is put our ideas through a fiery crucible, to quote one of my mentors. Uh, we like putting <laughs> our ideas through a fiery crucible. Maybe? I like to imagine people building like car, like robots out of Legos and just smashing them together and see which <laughs> one survives. Oh, man, that's well, what it is. And, and that's sort of what it is. And so we got the bell so that in case yeah. Michael starts talking too much, because Michael might have a tendency to go off in tangents... Never. Or or <laughs> Sarah and I start arguing with each other. One of us can ring the bell. I think it's just going to end up being us just like hitting it multiple times. It's, like, it's just going to be yelling and dinging and <laughs> havoc. <laughs> Everything will explode. Okay. <laughs> it's so good.
Have you so seen you haven't video? seen the Gospel Golden Girls theme? Oh, there's the Golden Girls oh, theme on the left, that's and then on the great. right, there's the guy. There's a guy riffing over it, and so it goes. They go, thank you for being a friend. Oh, oh. whoa! We started from the bottom, now we're here again. It's like so good. And they start screaming at the end. It's so good. (laughs) It's really good. Well, and and I just want to encourage you to watch watch Golden Golden Girls Girls reruns. Where do you find it? Well, they're on. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, they're. I was gonna say they're on Hallmark. It's probably. I think. I think they're on Netflix. All the Golden Girls episodes are on Netflix. Oh, they're not. I think I probably would have watched them if they were. I'm sure they're somewhere illegally. Not that we at MC or at the MC Vocal Fry podcast endorse anything illegal. (laughs) Feeling a little bit better. My back seems to have limbered up some. Uh, I got some of those tens electro stimulation. Those are good things. Uh, for those of you who do not know, which is all of you listening, I had thrown my back out on Monday doing a back squat and felt my weight roll forward, and that's bad form, and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so I've been suffering all week. Uh, maybe not quite as bad as the day Sarah had a migraine, but um, uh, it was a rough day. It was a rough day. Uh, Tuesday he took a muscle relaxer and then tried to teach our class. Or Wednesday. It was fan. Was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday. I would like to say that I did not say anything utterly ridiculous. Uh, there was a lot of fist slamming, and Garcia was right about everything. <laughs> Lots like, of gesturing. It was, uh, it was a lot of 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 fist slam. No, this is what's wrong. This is something in the last sixty years. Nobody talk about the source anymore. Garcia <laughs> talked about the source, like pretty much. That's what it was like. And word slurring. And of course, by the slurring. source, in this case, we are not referring to any weird Star Wars the reference. Death Star. We are actually talking about the vocal folds. <laughs> We're actually talking about something singing. We were talking about the Gladys. Nobody yeah. talks about. And the I was <laughs> I was complaining about how nobody focuses on the source anymore. People just focus on either resonance or breath, and we. I think have done did, although I think that that tide is shifting all these tides go back and forth like there was a time when all the sounds you heard in classical singing were dark and we've been in a time now where I think so many of the sounds in classical singing are overly bright uh, but, but you have to understand that these things are cyclical I mean, almost all this stuff is cyclical. I mean, people think that the breath is the thing, and then the phonation is the thing, and then the then then the the tongue is the thing, and and you know it goes in cycles. I actually have a theory about that, about fractals, guys. Fractals. You know what fractals are, right? I Wait, mean, they're they're a ma- they're a, they're a picture made from a mathematical pattern that no matter how far you zoom in, it's the same pattern. No matter how far you zoom yes, out, it's the yes, same yes, pattern. Yes. And so I really, I've been thinking about this a lot, but that which is true for the individual is often, the pattern is true for the uh, for the group of people and upwards and upwards and upwards. So it's cyclical for the individual. Everything in their life is about breath for five seconds. Everything's about phonation. Everything's about this. And then it becomes true of a studio or a school. And then it becomes true of the singing world nationally or globally. And things shift around in this pattern and so it's just I think what we're seeing is that that echo began somewhere and it started, you know, and I'm, I wonder if it can go both ways. But just I think a lot about these fractals and I think that that patterns operate in this way. You brought bacon. He there is bacon, bacon. folks. Michael, we have hit a new podcast level. I'm not bringing there is okay. bacon. Next and to quote my bacon, former 
grad student Lee Usselton, who we hope is listening, everything is better with bacon. Guys, we should take a bacon selfie. Except for music. Yes, we need to take a bacon selfie. I don't know. Music okay, so, might get so better get, with bacon. So, okay, hold a slice of bacon. My bacon is, uh, I shared the theme song with Sarah. I love it. You're doing great. Michael it's and so I finished wonderful. the theme song yesterday, so that wonderful theme song you've been listening to all these weeks, we just finished. Yay! <laughs> uh, hey, you should get, you should get, um, get Anne to record the voiceover. No, my wife is so good. Oh, is it? Okay. It really is. I'm afraid it's too sibilant, but... No, no it's No, it's, it's really good. Okay. Especially over the... the yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And the bacon. It's really good. I love bacon. All right. I have a, an issue with both of you. No, is it no, 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 we're no. not going there yet. Co- no, there's a difference no, between we're having an issue and, and you're just wrong. You have an issue not with us. You have an issue with being wrong. I'd like to point out, well, that's <laughs> yeah. probably true. I would like to point out that I got some support. Okay, so the other day I was bringing up W-I-K-I-P-E-D-I-A, the online encyclopedia type website. It's called the, the, uh, the Undergraduate Research Machine. And it is magical. <laughs> and some, sometimes it's the graduate research machine. Yep. Not that I've ever used it. Same. I never use it. I'm just going to keep drinking classes. my coffee as he says this. Um, anyway, uh, we were talking, and I said the word. I've always thought mm-hmm. this word was Wikipedia. And I thought this because when we... St- Separate it. We say wiki something like wiki how. That is true. Yes. And I got great support on that point when yep. I when I posted this on Facebook. That yeah, yes, okay. it is. In fact, when we separate the prefix out, we usually say wiki because you would not say wicka how. Hmm. That sounds Wicca like you're talking leaks. about some strange <laughs> religion. You know, yes. whatever. Yes. Yes, it does. But. I just always assumed that was the word, but but as as the graduate students jumped down my throat in in our repertoire class, they said no, it's Wikipedia, Wicka, uh 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 schwa. Well, or is it actually the carrot? That's another question I had. Mm-hmm. Is it? It's the carrot, that. isn't uh-huh. it? Mm-hmm. If because you would IPA it, it's the carrot, no, right? Because, no, because the carrot implies. Stress. Oh, is that the stress? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Schwa- I, yeah. I, I, so full confession. Doctor Perna is not a diction teacher. Because the schwa and the carrot are basically the same sound in English. Um, not necessarily true in other languages, but they're the same sound in English at least, but one is stressed. Drawing on an orange. I'm sorry, guys. We have to pause the podcast. I don't know why Michael is drawing on an Shockingly, orange. Shockingly, pens don't work on Are you drawing a learning. face on an orange to eat the face or something? They're, they're not for eating. I'm putting them out on the, I'm putting them all around the lobby. It just seems sometimes, okay. Sometimes you wake up and you need to put some oranges. Apparently, we're all gonna wake up and there's the gonna be moldy fruit all around the lobby. No, people are gonna come in and they're gonna be like, "People are gonna eat Oh, them. I'm this having such a happen. crappy Friday, but look, there's oranges and they're smiling at me. But okay. Who's ever had a- oh goodness. I guess a big one for me was that like. You do re- like you might do a research. You might do a research. You might do a research. <laughs> you hashtag do a research. Hashtag do a research. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, you might do a research project, and then literally as soon as three years, which seems like such a short time, it, it might 
you might your views on your results might have completely changed. You may not even view it as really a valid piece of it. You will already view it as maybe historical as an artifact. You've grown or something. from it. Yeah, like that was a weird thing for me because three years just doesn't seem that long. But I think that's sure that, that is a sense. that is a wonderful <laughs> indication though of of a of a contemporary pedagogue thinking the right kind of thoughts. Yeah. That the information keeps evolving that fast. I mean, that just, that really hit me. Like, that seems so quick. And like she said, like, yes, I still use pieces of this. I mean, she basically said it was a good base for her. It was yeah. like, you know, it's sort of. That she's for, grown from it. Yeah. And, and honestly, that was the thing I think that warmed my heart more than anything is that I don't want any of you guys to think that whenever you leave, whatever you leave, and when we no longer have day-to-day -day interactions, that that's the end of anything. Because the I truth feel is... I like I don't know anything. So, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> well, that's not a horrible place to be right now. I mean, to be completely honest. I just honest. keep getting music degrees, and I, <laughs> and I finish them, and I'm like... Well, well, <laughs> well. All I, I did was realize how much more I don't know. I really hope at the end of this one you will <laughs> not feel that way. Um, you, uh, it's not. It's not you. It's not like I'm. No, I know. No, I know. So much. So you're not know. teaching me things. I'm just like. No, that's yeah. right. Well, but I think that that also is a good attitude to have. I mean, a lot of the time, I, you know, I, I, I go back, I, there's a great quote that I can't say in full on the podcast, but <laughs> but basically goes along the lines of I'm the sure moment you'll start, the moment you start teaching well is when you stop believing your own stuff. Mm. Yes. Huh. You, you, you know. <laughs> this next segment is actually quite short. Uh, in season two, I got sort of obsessed with doing these little opening bumpers of something exciting that had happened, uh, and then starting the episode with that rather than the theme song. But I also uh, included in this little segment, at the end of it, our Stan Lee tribute, which is still one of my favorite moments of all of Vocal Fry. We're going to have an old school Vocal Fry episode, Yay! and we're just going to have some fun this morning. We have two big pieces of yes, current events, too. news information first. I'm so excited. But we're, then we're going to break down something else fun. Oh my gosh, I should have made her I should have made her watch the Captain Marvel trailer though. She hasn't even watched it? Okay. No. So, on Tuesday of this week, we finally got a Captain Marvel trailer. Okay, you would actually really appreciate the Captain Marvel trailer because she is just a Hmm. What's a word I can use on the podcast? It's She's so a very really cool fighty lady. A really cool fighty lady. Did you get that message? I couldn't there? love a good really cool Sarah, um, tell everybody why we're excited. Because so many trailers dropped today. We have Captain <laughs> Marvel, we have Flippin' Avengers, and they're all coming in March and April. I mean, I, maybe they just want us to be dead by May. Sarah's I don't afraid know. she's not going to graduate. Folks. I am afraid I'm not Sarah going to graduate. Sarah is literally afraid she's not going to graduate. I am really, really, I am, I am literally going to have to look at the dates these are projected to drop and plan when my recital is around them so that I, like, pass it and, and then pass folks. my comps. All right, so it's going to be that kind of day for those of you who were wondering. How does how does one sprain an elbow in the middle of acoustics class? Like, did you did you hit it on something? Nope. But I sure felt like I just sprained my elbow. I don't. I don't understand. With great power comes great responsibility. Being a geek has become a badge of honor. It's geeks who really make or break a TV show or movie or video game. 
They're the ones who are passionate about these things and who collect the paraphernalia and talk about them. A geek is really somebody interested in communication and entertainment and finding the best way to avail himself or herself to it. I wanted them to be diverse. The whole underlying principle of the X-Men was to try to be an anti-bigotry story to show there's good in every person. I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer while other people were building bridges or going on to medical careers. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. Everybody has Dr. Doom misunderstood. Everybody thinks he's a criminal, but all he wants is to rule the world. Now, if you really think about it objectively, you could walk up to a policeman and you could say, Excuse me, officer, I want to tell you something. I want to rule the world. He can't arrest you. It's not a crime to want to rule the world. So it's unfair that he's considered a villain because he just wants to rule the world. Then maybe he could do a better job of it. So I'm very interested in Dr. Doom and I'd like to clear his name. The more you read, the better you're going to become as a storyteller. You know, my motto is Excelsior. That's an old word that means upward and onward to greater glory. It's on the seal of the state of New York. Keep moving forward, and if it's time to go, it's time. Nothing lasts forever. So, Stan, we say thanks. Thanks for Spider-Man. Thanks for Daredevil. Thanks for the Fantastic Four. Thanks for the Incredible Hulk. Thanks for Black Panther. Thanks for the Avengers. Thanks for X-Men. There is no vocal fry without Stan Lee. And we are eternally grateful. One of the things that we didn't know as a podcast at the beginning that we would do was have guests on. And I just want to say to all of our guests throughout the years how grateful we are for your your presence on the podcast, your friendships in life and in profession. And we just want to give a shout out to everybody 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 who's ever been a guest on the podcast um you know we could have highlighted so many but again this episode focusing on the first hundred episodes or the first two and a half years uh i pulled out three excerpts i pulled out a little bit of wisdom from warren jones the legendary collaborative artist who was one of our first ever vocal fry guests I probably the most nervous I had been up to that point to do an interview. Uh, a nice segment um, of about eight minutes of our great friend of the podcast, Ken Bozeman, talking about his flipping of where he was experiencing the first and second format in the vocal tract when he was at MC uh, as our as our guest there. And then finally, um, a, a little bit, because um, we always ask everyone about their pop culture interests, a little bit about uh, Bodo Mas and his unicycle. One of the judges was a man who, uh, a man named Jan Popper, who was a conductor from Czechoslovakia, who was the head of the operating department at UCLA. He came up to me after after the contest, and I played for these five people, and there was no prize for the pianist. I mean, I was just there. I'd gone with them to play for them. And he came up to me, and he said, young man, do you work in an opera house? And I said, and I knew who I was talking to. I mean, this man was fairly famous. Yeah. I said, uh, I said, well, no, I'm, I, no, I'm, I can't do that. I'm, not, it's not, you know, I don't know not enough. There yet. And I, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. what you just said, sir. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he said, young man, four words. I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
He said, learn while you earn. Oh, oh what like a great said, life lesson. Go get a job. Uh, I have I have one that, that, that I was telling you about last night. In, in PVA, we were talking last class that we had before break about this idea of uh, sensations of F1 and F2, pharynx mouth. Mm -hmm, So would you like the chance here on Vocal Fry to clarify maybe some of your writings about F1, F2 and the perception in pharynx versus mouth or? Sure, sure. Well, the the notion that the pharynx is more the first resonance that produces the first formant and that the mouth is more uh, associated with the second formant and the second resonance has a long history, but there's it's been controverted somewhat. <clears throat> and so, in most of my writings in the first two books, I kind of followed that. And I think, first of all, let me say that the entire vocal tract there are places along the vocal tract that you can tweak that will influence both of those lower resonances or each one individual. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lunch is still in my throat. Sorry, we just ate lunch, <laughs> yeah, we everybody. Did um, we did not give them much time. The, um, if you open the mouth more, we know that raises the first formant. But if you narrow the pharynx more, we know that raises the first formant. It's a little bit tricky to do those things in isolation. But so the, the point being, you can change the pitch of the first formant in various places in your vocal tract, pharyngeally or orally. <clears throat> um, and, and there's other complicating factors, you know, whether you're, uh, if you close the mouth more, it tends to lower the first formant. If you lip round more, it tends to lower all the formants. So this, it's not a simple thing. So for me, the issue was more, <clears throat> well, what is more useful to think in terms of motivating shape and sound in uh, teaching a voice lesson, not so much, you know, a, a very binary, this is this and this yeah, is yeah, that. Yeah. So I was in conversation at uh, the last International Congress of Voice Teachers with Wolfgang Zaus, who is an, a brilliant uh, harmonic singer. Teacher of Anna Maria Heffele. Right, teacher of Anna Maria Heffele. Uh, and they were both there. And they both came to my session and they were all, oh, they're very interested in my stuff. and. I haven't talked to them since. I hope they're still interested in it, but they were very nice. And we had some conversation. And in a conversation with Wolfgang, I said, so, you know, I kind of feel my first format uh, a little bit more associated with my pharynx and my second with my mouth. And he says, oh, no, it's just the opposite. I had a major depression for about two <laughs> days because all of my all of my history and whatever I'd read had been the way I was thinking about it. And I said, well, this guy really knows what he's doing with formant tuning because he has to do that to do harmonic singing. So I rethought it, but I had always wondered, there were several other pieces that were already in my background, you know, on the back shelf, <clears throat> which is number one, early Italian teachers say the pharynx is the mouth of the voice. They would say the vowels are formed in the pharynx. And there were a couple of other sources like that as well that I had, you know, wondered about. Well, most vowels we now know from Ian's work, the the dominant vowel tone color comes from a frequency that is being featured by the second resonance or the second formant. 
So to say most vowels, you know, are made in the pharynx implies you're hearing that higher piece pharyngeally. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought, okay, you know, I've, I've made the comment, <coughs> in, <coughs> excuse me, in my history that I've learned some of the most important things, and this is a lesson that I have to constantly relearn, you'll understand why in a moment, from people that I thought I disagreed with. Oh, I absolutely. So in that vein, and of course, even if I thought I disagreed with Wolfgang Zaus, I would tell myself, but he's probably right, <laughs> because he's a fabulous harmonic singer and teacher of fabulous harmonic singing. So I thought, I've got to play with this idea a bit. So I went back to the drawing board and put it together with this vowels are formed in the pharynx thought of the Italian teachers and played with it. I said, okay, I'm going to make my mind think of the brighter, higher vowel color, which I was calling the over vowel and still do, mm -hmm. as pharyngeal, and the lower, warmer, under vowel color as being to the front. But I already knew that I didn't want to... Um, <clears throat> shape the under vowel as if it were the target vowel. So, for example, an, an O-E, uh, sound is the under vowel for a lot of the front vowels, some form of it. But I knew I didn't want to form that as if uh, uh were the target vowel. It's just inherently in the sound. So if I did an uh, uh, the people sitting here will have to tell you I didn't change <laughs> the shape of my mouth. Nope. Yeah. I tried to not change the shape of the tube anywhere, but you yeah. hear a, a fairly radical vowel migration towards something that's sort of uh-like. Not exactly. <clears throat> anyway, I started playing with that sound, that thing, and trying it out with my singers, and it was really, for classical, very helpful in avoiding misshapes. And it made me also reconsider what is the universal percept is, is that bright is forward and dark is back. That's completely universal. I feel it that way. Everybody I ever talked to feels it that way. Mm. And there's something to that. I'm not absolutely denying that. But if you put bright in the back, the bright overvowel in the back, and you let the warmer part passively reside to the front without being shaped warmer in the front, mm -hmm. it avoids the two sort of coarsest misshapings of the vocal tract. The bright forward that's mouthy and spread, e, that's sort of a, a very, you know, primitive wrong shaping. You know, sophisticated people know not to do that. Sophisticated singers know not to do that. Or the, the wrong back, e, the yawny hooty one, that, in the sort of raw, unsophisticated percept, that's what front and back do. A, a, a misapplication of front will give you the mouthy front, mm -hmm. and a misapplication of depth and warmth will give you the, the depressed tongue one. And reversing those two percepts and thinking of bright in the back and warm in the front completely removes that instinct. So, <clears throat> no, I'll back away from the mic a little bit. No, you, you're fine. Yee, yay, yay. Those are bright in the back and warm to the front. But I would hope that those were reasonably chiaroscuro yeah. sounds that migrate. Whereas if I think bright to the front and dark to the back, I end up with either it's too bright and I'll move it a little further back, or now it's too far back, you know, with that 
for you know uh, and so I make wrong shapes now when I do the one that I just did the better one mm -hmm. uh, the bright as the back and warm to the front there are frontal sensations that I probably still associate with the brightness of the sound but I'm not putting them there or making them there in my percept so it's a little bit of a reversal of this brightest front darkest back thought that, that causes me and my students to make better shapes that give me the best kind of bright and the best kind of deep. Like I said, half voice science and pedagogy, half nerd pop culture. Mm -hmm. Do you have any sort of nerd interests, book series, podcasts you listen to, movies you're into, TV shows, uh, anything, a band that you're really into, anything that you're really into that is not necessarily strictly voice related? Mm. I don't really, I'm not really a huge pop culture nerd. Okay. I, I watched all the Marvel movies, if that counts, but I'm not, I'm not um, a fan, uh, so to say, but I did like Iron Man, and so I watched all of his movies. Uh, <laughs> well, Iron Man's a good one. Yes, we've, yeah. we've, we, we've done whole Avengers episodes. Right. So this that is, is true. That is but a it thing doesn't have to be done. like, when we say pop culture, I mean, it could be like, it could even you really be something like else. British just literature or something. Or, you know or what it I mean? could even like, be like, like something that you do just outside, just, like you go dancing uh, or, or you know. I mean, I do a lot of things like anything. that. A unicycle. Oh, cool. I do uh, acrobatic oh. yoga. See, these are the kind of things See, the yeah, vocal fam wants to know. For. Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. Yes. So, acrobatic yoga. Oh, How did you get into yoga? How did you get into that? Um, I've I've always done things that are physical and challenging, like unicycling or overtone singing. And mm -hmm. then several different people have suggested to me that I would like acro yoga because they knew I was doing yoga also, which is kind of nerdy in its own way. Sure, yes. You learn things like handstand. And um, so people say, you should check out acro yoga. And I was living in Berlin at the time, so eventually I did, and I loved it. It's um, so much more social than traditional yoga. So you're doing it with someone else. Yes, it's, it's a form of partner be. acrobatics. <laughs> oh, so one person is lying on the floor. That's usually me. And I then think I've <laughs> seen some of these videos on your Facebook. Exactly. Yes. And then um, the other person is flying on the on the base and then they're doing they're transitioning from pose to pose to do complicated things wow and um, and that's incredibly challenging but it's also yep. very social so in, in normal yoga i was just standing on the mat and i could see the other people in the room but there was no interaction at all amazing and that was usually in the morning so when it's done everybody goes to work and so for taking three hours of my day that was really not satisfying for me mm. as a social thing right. to do. And when I discovered acro yoga, you're doing it together with somebody else the whole time. So you're communicating, right. you're doing a meditative and challenging physical thing, you're in the flow together, and that's really great about it. This next segment includes some season two highlights uh, where we were so thankful that we had a new full-time host in Leah. And Sarah and Leah and I had great adventures during season two, so you'll hear some of those highlights coming up. But then I also wound it back uh, at the end of this segment, back to one of our biggest Vocal Fry events, which was Sarah's wedding to her dear husband, Jamie. Uh, how I ended up carrying my phone around at the reception that whole time, just talking to people on a phone, I must have looked like an absolute crazy person. But if you're a listener to this show, you're not probably surprised by that. All right, here we go. I try to make too much of a problem. Like, you know, in studio class when I'm trying to, yeah. you know, because, I mean, we're kind of practicing, I think. I'm sure you are too, like, thinking, okay, if this were my student, what sure. would I... Oh, I yeah, want you to be thinking What that. would I be 
doing and i've just i think that sometimes i'm trying to like make too much of it like think a lot of things and then this is so simple and i'm like oh there's a very basic problem Reason here. why you're, you're having some issues and and i think that's such a wonderful lesson for young voice teachers yeah of like the reality of rather than You're dealing with all these big picture really issues and these big things or um, um, the, the sort of minutia things actually mm-hmm. um, th- that are all these detail things and, and whatever just let's just go ah uh, ah uh, yeah uh. I was <laughs> actually just thinking yesterday after my voice lesson that I feel like my like when she's warming me up that's like where I, I learn the most which is you interesting because I mean? when we did practicum last year I really did not love spending all the time with the warm ups. Like I wanted to get to the yeah, song because I'm like, like I'm working the do. technique on the song. But now I'm like, no, I need to like honestly. I get now why you're like spend this much time on warm ups because I should be able to hear and fix a lot just there because I'm just and hearing you can them hear it eight. easier because it's not right. Well, and I know what I want to begin with. Like I, yeah. I don't need to start with some fancy singy warm up. Like I just basically need to start with like, can you? Phonate and I today, think that's today, particularly ever. true early on with a student. Yeah. Like you just need to have some what I would refer to as basic, easy to sing diagnostic exercises yeah. that allow your ears. But I also do think just as a counterpoint to that, because I think balance is what really matters because yeah. you also need time working technique in repertoire and, oh, yeah. and this well, kind of thing. People are much yeah. better at singing a song than yes. warming up. It, or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. I've had great vocalizers. I think I'm way better at warming up. I've I have had great, great vocalizers great who, when they go to sing, maybe because of the language that they're dealing with, maybe because of the character that they're dealing with, the repertoire becomes much harder for them. And I've had other students who just were just incredibly problematic vocalizers. Yeah. But when they went to repertoire, I'd be like, oh, well, why did we just waste 30 minutes doing <laughs> that other thing? Yeah, yeah, like, they're fine. No, I'm great at, at warming up, and I think it's because, like, sometimes I'll sing something, and she'll stop me and be like, that sounded great. What were you thinking about? And I'm like, I literally was not thinking. Uh, or like, <laughs> I was thinking about what I... This is the curse of the voice teacher student. <laughs> doing last week. and then when, But then when I start singing... Yeah. You know, I'm in singing mode. Yeah. And. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's a current Mississippi College yes. student. Yes. So okay. she's an art major, obviously. That makes sense. But she came to the show and just throughout the show, I guess just whenever inspiration struck her or maybe when she finished another draw, I don't, I don't know what made her do it, but she would draw pictures of like people performing. And so Leah and I, we just got lucky because we both have, you know, yeah. big, I guess, moments yeah she drew both of us kind of like in character as like a almost like a disney princess version of ourselves do you mind if i put those on our vocal fry social media i've already put it on like i've put it on one social media platform when i get home and send it to you but my weird existential crisis moment so then we had a weird existential crisis this leads us back to where we started about frequency filters where do i exist okay so We threw a frequency filter on and on Sarah's and we filtered out essentially noise from about 4,700 hertz or so up to about 6,000 and uh, maybe 45 up to 6,000. And we took out about that 1,500 hertz bandwidth and Sarah has a lot of energy that happens right about 5K. 
And uh, it no longer sounds like me. It, when, when I say it no longer sounds like me, I mean like, like it is if I walked into a room and heard that recording, I'd be like, who's that? And yeah. let's be very clear that there's definitely parts of things that we could take out of anybody's voice and it would sound weird. But you right. did it to, to Leah and Dr. Spivak's voice and their voices, while again, it, it did changes. sound different. Right. It they were still recognizable, recognizable as our as voices. Each other. No, so this actually changed Sarah into all of a sudden a like... Different person. 37-year-old like... Lyric soprano instead of her wonderful soubrette self. It was very a lot. Like, I, I'm having to kind of put like a little mental wall around that information because we'll it, deal with it after it, recital. That's the thing. Like, let me get to my recital. Like, <laughs> I'm singing fine. I'm singing better than I've probably ever you sung are. right now. You are. And I'm. It, things are easy. Why mess with that right now? Nope, we're not. Just because I've seen this baffling. <laughs> we're not going to really mess with it right now. Trippy. Not me voice. Like, who is that? Who is that person? Well, that's right, folks. Here we are. Here we are at Sarah and Jamie's wedding. Vocal Fry the Wedding. Hello. Vocal Fry the Wedding. Vocal Fry the Wedding. Michael is literally playing the piano here at the reception at this special episode of MC Vocal Fry. Very special episode. Michael's actually playing the piano while we're talking. We're here at the uh, at the wedding, and we're already getting funny looks as to why these two men are behind the piano, jamming out and talking on a cell phone. Looks very strange, and we're not sure why Michael has gone to the '90s radio hour for his uh, musical selections. <laughs> sort of Bruce Hornsby mixed with uh, the Friends theme or something going on right now. It was a beautiful ceremony. Vocal Fry is very happy for Sarah and Jamie. We may never have another podcast host get married at the end of a season. No. And just some family did. And I didn't want to get up because most of the people there were family. But if I could say something to them sort of as a blessing for their wedding, because I'm sure at some point they'll go back and listen to this. Yeah. I was often thinking, because of the two of them, so perfectly Hoovian, that's sort of like the best sort of blessing for their wedding would sort of be like, never cruel, never cowardly, always try to be nice, but never fail to be kind, and never eat pears. And never eat pears. So if you've listened to this show at all, you know that we have a huge love of Star Wars. Uh, it was a central part of beginning the podcast, in a way and continued on. We've reviewed every trailer or any material that's come out since then, including all of season one of The Mandalorian, now season two of The Mandalorian, uh, Last Jedi, we, and we dedicated our 100th episode to The Rise of Skywalker. So here are some of our favorite Star Wars moments. Michael had the excellent prognostication one week ago. Now, obviously, we're in a time machine, so it seems a little dated news to you listeners yeah. out there. But we're really excited about it. But <laughs> we found out this week that, in fact, oh episode <laughs> nine will be directed by J.J. Abrams. Michael Hamm! He predicted correctly that one week ago before the official announcement came I'm out. I predicted the future. J.J. Abrams taking all the audiences, especially the older fans, by the hand and going, 
it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we'll never do Jar Jar to you again. It's really it okay. Kind of was. It's okay. You mean all the people of his generation? All the, yeah, all Literally. the people who loved four, yeah. five, and six. He's gonna. He goes. It's okay. We're never gonna do that to you again. It's gonna be great. Look, see, big, big death machine. Do you see it? We're gonna go in. There's and we're gonna heroism. destroy the big death machine. That's it's right. It's gonna be awesome. And so now they can be adventurous. And so now I'm really excited because my issue is if episode eight is like less than stellar, then it has to pet their hand again. Right. Nine. Yeah. Well, hopefully but if that eight won't is happen. great. Then nine can be really exciting. well. Six movies wasn't enough. (laughs) Particularly because what did we get in Last Jedi? An extraordinary Yoda. Yoda. I got a Yoda Luke Skywalker scene. Oh my goodness. And what a scene. What a scene it was. I know, right? Um, And as Michael will confirm, my reaction to the scene while it was happening was I'm sure it was epic. I would just like to say that I will never for the rest of my life forget watching not just watching that scene but watching him watch that scene (laughs) it was really something (laughs) it was very special i've already posted the quote not because he's yoda at this point no but he's old luke at this point and i was like oh (laughs) i was like oh gosh this is perfect well i actually have some comparisons to that that maybe disprove that but but I um, I loved it so much. I've already put the quote, we are what they grow beyond. This is the true burden and of a master. I waited like the whole masters. movie for that quote. I was sitting there and I was like, when's it going to happen? When's it gonna, I know it's from this movie. When's it going to happen? <laughs> oh, you had seen the quote before you saw it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. You know, going back to the whole Yoda thing before I let go of the Yoda thing. And then I let go Yoda. of the Yoda thing. I, I thought that was a fairly epic scene. Yes. I just feel like, as a singer, there's probably no more important ideals that I can think of than the things that he shares and the basic way of the Jedi. Well, just the idea that, like, the failure, like, that is the that was that, is yeah. that was huge. It was that was so wonderful. important. The idea that we're limit at this point, we're eliminating hubris. Yeah. We're eliminating ego. Yeah, he's like, I mean, you that failed. was the yeah. Jedi's downfall. He was like, yeah, you messed up, but like, and, that's and, the and biggest him, thing you could learn from. And him from. being able to say that to Luke. To so say, well, it's because, time for the Jedi to end, even as we've known but it. But it's okay that you failed. Yeah. Well, I mean, Yoda mm-hmm. failed. I mean, if you think about it, like, he should have, right. I mean, right. he, he failed he, Anakin. He ended his life in exile. Yeah. You know? And had this one little shot at the end here. So he had to learn from that. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this. The thing that I loved that made me think of you especially, Dr. Perna, was this. The I was I loved... Okay. You are really hard on yourself. That's all I'll say there because we're on a podcast. Ooh. But you are hard on yourself as a person. I hadn't thought about and that. So if that you is have, very and so I do very and, much relate to Luke Skywalker's so, character in this film. Because, I'm not going to Because of that... I'm sitting here looking at that, and then I love watching the kind. I love watching Yoda and how he resp- how he interacts with Luke, and just the way that he was like, "Let yourself off the hook, man." You know, like tell people about your failures. It's part of your life. And this goes back to our imposters episode. That's true. And more importantly, why we need a mentor. 
because what was this movie about? This movie was about mentorship. It was really about mentorship. Yeah. This movie was about mentorship, letting go of the past, seizing the moment, seizing the current moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Olivia, Olivia, what was your favorite part? Leia and Luke are brother and sister. My I hope they don't like part, each other. My favorite part was... Uh, with Princess Leia using the Force to get back. <laughs> yeah. And Yoda. That was Palpatine. Wait, no, 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 look. That was Palpatine. I know. Ah! <laughs> oh my oh gosh, my you're gosh. gonna break your computer, oh you fool! <laughs> also, your the wife, title of your Episode Nine. Do you want her in? Star wife? Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. What? <laughs> there are many diverse opinions about this film and while vocal fry at times can seem like an echo chamber because a lot of the three of us the three of us like a lot of the same things true we definitely i think have some different opinions uh, amongst each other yes and so vocal fam this is a little bit like a family in that families that's amazing. Childhood dog. In that, Aria this time. <laughs> in, in that families love each other and they start from a place that they're families and they end in a place that they're families. But like your holiday table this holiday season, if you talk about Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, my guess is that not all of you will agree with each other. It's true. That is the truth. So you've also probably learned over the years that every once in a while... Dr. P will get on his soapbox. Uh, I've tried to limit those things to this episode, but I had a couple things I wanted to highlight. We've just got a little um, sneak peek at my an excerpt from my responsibility chair talk, which is a great episode you could go back to. I, I excerpted just a couple of minutes from our breathing episode. Uh, favorite sort of moment, actually, not really soapboxy. And then uh, just a little bit uh, about academic discourse, which could uh, apply to many of the things that our world is struggling with right now. So here's, I guess, a little section of just a few moments of serious stuff. That's true. In any case, um, the, the, the question, the, there was a great statement in this post made, and, and, and the post was made by Dr. Howell at, at New England Conservatory, and and the 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 comment was power never feels like power when you have it and i thought that was very poignant and it led me to to prompt a response that i do think that that mentoring of future teachers which is something i do on a regular basis and and a 
subject very near and dear to my heart is important and that it's why I always make sure that I give the lecture called the responsibility chair and someone asked for a copy of it and I don't really want to share the whole thing on just making it freely available and I, I say that. that because it's really meant to be in the context of a class uh, rather than just a free-floating talk but just to I, I said I might mention it on the podcast and I I just want to say one or two things about it I think one of the most important things that a young teacher needs to recognize which is all over my syllabus is to recognize that a voice student across the room from you is not you they have different emotional responses they have different vocal needs mm. they have a different personality and it is very difficult when you're young recognizing those things sometimes in other people because especially i think as a musician because your study has been so focused on you on making your own singing and performing better and rightfully so i mean that's what that's why we have applied lessons um but when you transition to the bench the piano bench hmm. not the judge judicial judicial, judicial <laughs> not, you're not joining the judiciary um, for yourself <laughs> pretty pretty sure you need a law degree to do that um You'd have to ask your husband. You have to pass I'd, a test. I don't know. You, you actually, even if you're a, like a lawyer, there is, I, I believe, a test you have to take. For the judiciary? Mm -hmm. That's probably if right. If I remember correctly. Anyway, but when you're on the piano bench, instead of being the, the you know student in the voice studio, there are a lot of responsibilities that go along with that, as there are also if you're the person lecturing to a class. And part of it is the responsibility to admit when you're wrong part of it is the responsibility to acknowledge for example in voice pet as i did many times yesterday that we're talking about the things that we know to be true right now yeah and rather than here's what i'm saying this is the truth Forever. never doubt ever um which is not a good thought process um but most importantly i think is the is the point that you need to realize that the person taking a voice lesson is as a human one of the more vulnerable things you ever do yeah. outside of actual um like dating or marriage relationships and it is such because it's just you and another person most of the time in a room and the human singing voice is a very emotional thing. Yeah. Most of us view our voices as who we are. We identify self with our voice. Yeah. And it's so vitally important that when you are the voice teacher that you have that at the forefront of your thinking at all times that that the person who's across the room from you even if they come in like with the most self-confidence and the most you know whatever and looking like they're all fine and good you also don't know what baggage they walked in with any given day 
Sometimes people just have bad, tough days, let alone a day where maybe a family member found out they were sick or, Mm. you know, if you're dealing with an adult, maybe something happened to their child at school that day and they're, you know, whatever, you know, you never know. Maybe in the case of college, this happens a lot. So it's a good (laughs) example. Maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend broke up with somebody. And so they're processing that. You never know what's going on or i mean and it could be something very far worse than that 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 they brought in you you never know but a voice lesson is is a perfect time when a lot of those emotions can then just come charging out and i think it's our responsibility as voice teachers to be somewhat and i say somewhat in an appropriate professional manner empathetic um, but you also always have to have the professional boundaries in place, which is also important. It was interesting to me that in that thread, so many of the people sort of went to this idea of like making sure that people referred to you as the title that you are, like Mr. or Miss or Doctor or, or, or whatever. I have, I have an interesting – I wanted to just comment on that too here on this little – vocal fry platform that we have i have worked in multiple departments at this point um if you include my graduate assistant work i've taught in five different six different music schools or departments across this country and as you might imagine in varying situations um as every school sort of has their own culture there have been departments I've worked in where everybody referred to each other by their first name because we were all humans and that's just what they did. Um, Particularly when I was working in a musical theater department because we were just basically trying to view everyone as equals. Everybody just called everybody by their name. It was just, they even called the dean by their first name. It was just what was done. Um, Obviously other departments like this one, that is, we're like the antithesis of that. Oh yeah, no, and then there's a whole bunch of gray lines in between. I think there is potential for wrongdoing in any of those situations, regardless of what anyone is calling anybody. Um, and the one last thought that I have about that is, I think you also, as the teacher need to recognize that it is not your job to create a reproduction of you and even more importantly it should not be your goal to create disciples of you and i think it is your job to create free clear independent lifelong learners because you're never done learning how to sing, as I said to class yesterday. And uh, this is something that we will continue to discuss here in the second year of your degree as we move forward to getting you people out of here and, and doing more of your own teaching. Um, because I think, it's, I think it's important. Anyway, that was deep and long, and I apologize. <laughs> so let us not forget, Vocal Fam, that if you want to sing a longer phrase, you need to phonate efficiently. And if you are not phonating efficiently, you will not sing longer phrases. I, 
Yes. And let's just say you already have breathy phonation. Yep. And you just put more exhalatory force against the vocal folds. And all you're doing is blowing more air through a flabby glottis. Delightful image. Thank you for that. (laughs) Is that helpful? No. No. And it's funny. So many people, like, I I actually, it's, it's funny we're talking about this. I had several conversations with students this week that, you know, just forcing more air out, like, is not gonna help. Don't no. We, I, I did have to actually straight up tell a student, when you sit there and go, <gasps> and I don't know, how, like, this is a this is a podcast, so I get that y'all can't Sarah see. Sarah took a clavicular just, breath, everyone. Sarah like took a, a clavicular one. breath. It was a major one. No, it was, it was a major one. It was very, ad, it was very uh, adventurous. But it also was not dramatized from the student that I corrected, which, like, she doesn't know any better. She's just thinking, I need a big breath. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, hey. well, it's certainly something that beginning singers do. Yeah, I was like, hey, no need for that, friend. No need. Don't worry. <laughs> but let's just let's just stop that. And I just... Okay. Anyway, sorry. I'm off track again. No, you're good. You're good. It's, so, it's night. It's my it, weekend. If, if you, Well, let's go the opposite. Let's say that's a breathy. That's a, that's a breath, breathy phonation. Yeah. Um, let's say it was pressed phonation and all you're doing is blowing more air against already pressed phonation. Yep. Is that going to be helpful? No, because, well, it's funny because it can almost make it sound kind of breathy all of a sudden, which if you're somebody that had pressed phonation and is kind of okay with it, all of a sudden when it gets breathy, you think, oh gosh, I'm obviously not supporting enough. I'm going to add even more and just oof, oof. The purpose, one of the big purposes to me of academia is to put ideas through a fiery crucible and test them. Like it basically relates back to the scientific method itself. Okay. And so the idea of having rigorous discourse, not arguments, not fights, not people bashing, idea bashing, not insert social media trolling here. Yeah. I'm talking about people who are educated about a topic sitting around and having a rigorous discussion to move something forward for the purpose of taking a discipline to a place that it's not. And I've been thinking a lot about this with like the idea that there are still debates that are had and and people go on the defensive often when people talk about commercial singing and and CCM or musical theater or this versus classical and this and and then this person has this opinion and this person has that and whatever and it occurred to me the other day one that i think a lot of those arguments are tired and old and a lot of those battles have already been fought and don't necessarily need to be rehashed but also and that if we educate ourselves, there's a lot more consensus that we can come to, I think, than we think. But also, I read a comment in another thread where someone said something along the lines of, the profession doesn't have these arguments because the profession doesn't care because they're all too busy doing their thing. In other words, opera singers who are actively singing and having an operatic career who are not in academia at all, mm-hmm. sort of don't care what people on Broadway are doing. 
And the people who are on Broadway singing every night sort of don't care what opera singers are doing. Because they're doing. And we hear about these these arguments happening more amongst teachers, particularly in academia. And the thought occurred to me, actually, that if we accepted that that is the appropriate place for the discerning arguments to occur... It is actually the beautiful picture of what academia is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mutually respected, informed discourse. Of course, in the end, if the first hundred episodes of this show were about voice pedagogy, they were also about Star Wars, but... Even more so, in a lot of ways, the first hundred episodes of this show were about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, our other absolutely great pop culture love, leading up to our seven-person Endgame panel. So here are some of our favorite Marvel moments. And so now... We're going to take a brief moment just to say one last time, spoilery, spoilery, spoilery. So many spoilers. Stop, stop, stop. I hope you're eating fried chicken while you're listening to this because I'm having fried chicken while talking about it. And so if you've not stopped listening at this point. And so this, what I keep coming back to um, is the line, is the line in the first challenge scene. Um... He's under the water, or he's he's getting beat, and his mom or somebody, maybe maybe it was Nakia, I can't remember. She screams out, "Show them who you are," and that's the whole point of this movie. There's treasure hidden in people that we don't always see, and it was just like there's there's I don't know, it was just so I don't know how to I don't know how to say this well, but it was but just this idea of like. There's just treasure hidden inside of you for hundreds of years. It's just part of the conversation we're having as a nation right now, you know? Listen up, everyone. You have ten years, any singers in the world, you have ten years. Start eating more, start lifting more, and any any Verdi Baritones out there, get ready for for (laughs) Infinity War, the opera. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And you you will get to play Thanos, the bass baritone. Me? Yes, you, Sarah Welch. Okay. Give me 10 years. No, but you might get to play Black Widow. Oh my I gosh. Or Wanda. Oh, oh my gosh. Did. Oh my gosh. She's a mezzo. Sarah playing it now. She's not a mezzo. She's a lyric mezzo. I can be a mezzo. Sarah's like, I will be a mezzo if I get to play Wanda. I will revert to my former Wanda's mezzo hearted self. Black Widow's a soubrette. Wanda's a lyric mezzo. Wanda's totally a soubrette. No. Wanda is so super at no. Especially yeah. in the, I think Black not Widow in would movie, be, would but in the be. previous one, she would have been a great super. Okoye is a contralto. I could grow mm. into her. Shuri's a super at. No. Could, no, she's or Coloratora. Maybe. I could see her being Coloratora and they only and them only writing crazy. What about the trains? There's a train. Did not think about that. That's a train podcast. People get ready. There's a train. It's very strange. Anyways. Nothing. I just hear you clicking. I'm actually playing us through the trailer right now. Oh my goodness, it's happening. So we're watching Tony's mask. Oh, are we recording now? Yeah. Oh. We're having our are we recording moment. I know I said no more surprises. You know, like every good podcast. I was really hoping to pull off one last one. Oh, 
land gives me feels. Here comes Peggy. The world has changed. The world has changed. None of us can go back. None of us can go back. Hawkeye and his daughter. All we can do is our best. Do we still think he's a scroll? No. Hawkeye and Nat holding hands. Cap at the funeral. Now we're in Asgard. And the dust. I saw all these people die. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Cap keeps telling everybody they should move on. And Scott Lang with overgrown houses. We owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. Louisiana. Whatever it takes. Stormbreaker. Whatever it takes. 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 Tony, whatever it takes. And we're in pin suits. And, uh, and Tony's in the hangar! Oh my gosh, when that music hits the first time. I know. I'm not going to be able to handle it. I know. I know. And then. I'm going to cry so many times. Thor and Captain Marvel and Mjolnir! She is not impressed. Okay. So let's do MVP first. I think I feel like there should be a consensus on this, but I don't want to say it first. No, no, it's I think obviously you have... Tony. I, I mean, I, so, that, again, so uh, there are three points. Okay, oh, wow. I knew he was going to lawyer. As to why Tony, you, the attorney, was going to have something to say about this. I would first like to say that. I am also on the same page that it's clearly Tony Stark, but go ahead and lay it out you for. Guys can, can, you know, say other be wrong. Right. If somebody that wants to give the wrong answer, feel free. But no, like without Tony, there is no time travel. Obviously, <laughs> the Hulk did it so. Be a the Hulk, right. the Hulk should <laughs> Professor Hulk should be able to figure out, yes, but he didn't. But he didn't. So without Tony, you have no time travel. Without Tony, you have no like. Vehicle to have, yeah, exactly. The second gauntlet, and then Tony's foresight to modify his own armor to also act as a gauntlet because he didn't actually use the one Thanos used, and then obviously, ultimately, sacrificing himself for the good of everyone. Okay, I think it's time. It's time. It's time. I embarrassed basically myself and and everybody who came to see the movie with you. (laughs) And everyone who was with us last night when my biggest prediction and honestly, the one thing that I was really hoping for... I think we all really hoped for this. We all did. In this movie came to fruition and as soon as I saw Thor call for Mjolnir in Asgard, I thought, this is happening. This is happening. And then it was just building and I could feel my chest keep starting to bump. So we get get the fight with the big three and they're there. There and Thor and the lightning is happening and the lightning is happening. I am curious, like as you're sitting next to him, physically show you the shaking that was happening (laughs) next to me, the hands twitching, the up and down motion. So excited! You knew he was going to yell. It was coming. (laughs) 
And then everybody's knocked down. Thor's about to die. Oh Stormbreaker's about to go through Thor's chest. And Mjolnir comes, and it doesn't just hit Thanos. It's not that Cap just picked it up. It but called it back. Called it back. And then he's just lightning out of it. And it was glorious. It really was. Like, that was a great moment, I will admit. Like, oh my. And then within two minutes, we thought Cap was gone. We thought he was going to get stabbed. Well, for like the next 30 to seconds to 60 seconds, like, Cap just unloads on amazing. Thanos. Like, I finally have a weapon. I'm going to let loose on this he dude. He was, was worthy. Awesome. <laughs> Yes. And the, yeah, it. Thor's lies. Oh, yes, I, know, I knew worthy. he was worthy. I knew you were worthy. He just said, I thought he just said, I knew you, I knew it. All he said I was, knew, I knew it. You were worthy. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved the moment where like they ended up with each other's and Thor was like, no, no, no. no. no, no, no. You take the you little take one. You take the little one. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, no. oh, especially because it had been teased in Ultron. Right. We almost saw it budge. Oh, it was just so gratifying. That it that was really was. Oh like man. Like if we had to lose fan Cap, service done right. It was yes. that was fan service done really yes. well. well I yes. mean that's just like all the confirmation you need of Steve Rogers' character and why he's like the leader. Is that you, you could make your argument in Age of Ultron like, oh yeah, he, he we think he could have moved it and he was just being a nice guy. Well now you know He can move or it. Or his he's character worthy. developed because he was, you know, you know, it's like he was just not there yet. That's true. I hadn't Consider thought about all, that. Because that's that's my thing with Cap is watching him develop. You know, it's like okay, now he's at the point. I did love when they go back and Cap meets past Cap, oh. and he's like, "I can do this all day." I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, that was real. It was like, like you finally, it's like you finally get to experience how annoying you actually are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I really enjoyed just like again as an outsider perspective, like. Because I didn't, I don't really know the whole backstory. Like I knew Thor had the hammer; he's supposed to be the only one who could lift it. So I didn't really get. So I thought that maybe when he was like, I knew it because Cap had the hammer. I was like, what does this mean? Is he an alien too? I don't know. <laughs> and so I really didn't know. And so we're like, literally, we're walking back to our car across the parking lot last night, and I'm like, hey, so wait, why was Captain America able to pick up the hammer? And Sarah and Jamie, but just was yell, he was worthy. <laughs> So that's a recap of the first hundred episodes of Vocal Fry, Vocal Fam. Actually, in these episodes, I didn't say the words Vocal Fam. Uh, That was thanks to Michael somewhere around our hundredth episode, I think. And so here we are. We're now about 150 episodes in almost. 2020's been a huge year for the podcast. And we look forward to continuing our journey with the vocal fam for the next at least a year. Uh, So if not moving far, far into the future. So for now, what did Sarah have for breakfast? The biscuits that are biscuits, not cookies. They're cookies. And they have cocoa, almond butter. Cookies. They're not cookies. They are cookies. The box literally says If you include Phoebe you and Michael and me and Jamie, they know we all what believe. They speak. What no, is Jamie a biscuit in Great Britain? This is not a British cookie. It's How do you Nutri-Gain, know that? Nutri-Gain. You're trying to sound biscuit. fancy. No. 
That's what cookie. the box says. Right. It's on the breakfast. We side. forgot last uh, week just to catch everybody up. Last week, Sarah had Nutella toast. Yeah, it was delicious. And it was delicious. It was. Oh, I made chocolate chip muffins today, and I did not drop them in the bottom of the oven. Good for you. Good for you. I did you use tongs? Nope. I put on one of those <laughs> oven mitts, and I reached in and grabbed it. Okay, great. Oh, it was another of the apple fritters. I have one more left. Oh, she still has another apple fritter. Everyone. Well, they come in a pack of But by four. the time you listen to this, they will have been she gone, will have not have, have and a last apple fritter. And I will be sad and trying to figure out what I'm going to Where to move on to in life do, at this point. What do I do now? What, what is life post-apple fritter? What is not life post-apple They're really, y'all, they're so good. Like, it's bad. I have to make myself, like, not eat the others during the day. Because I'm like, well, you know what was really good? That apple fritter. And I'm like, no, Sarah, wait till tomorrow. Oh, my breakfast. I had this yogurt, and it was really good. Uh, it's the Shabani Flip Lids. Don't know if y'all have tried them. They're really good. You can get them in all these different flavors. And it's basically just Greek yogurt, and then it has this cute little container that you flip into it that's full of, like, yummy things that make Greek yogurt taste good. Oh, I had a chocolate chip muffin. <laughs> Fantastic. Nice so and good. unhealthy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Any uh, takeaways for today? so glad we started this like i know i said i was skeptical when we when you told me initially like over a year ago that we were gonna do this and maybe even during the first few episodes we recorded like i was still fairly skeptical like who's gonna listen to this but i am so glad that we do this now and like i genuinely look forward to it it is i don't know it's really enjoyable i I love getting to talk with two people that I really care about and enjoy like talking to. And I don't know, like it's just a kind of a bright spot in my week. And like, if nothing else, like it's this nice little relaxing, unstressing time. Like I'm so glad we're here and I'm so glad y'all are listening to us. 